I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello, and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy. Today we are going to be talking about a key report that has evidently created a lot of stir in India. The Economist Intelligence Unit's Global Livability Index, which was released a few weeks ago, featuring five Indian cities at an abysmally poor standing, has both made us take a hard look at our cities and at the same time sparked conversation around a very pertinent topic, cities in India. Before I introduce you to our guest for the conversation today, we are accepting applications for our graduate policy courses. The course starts on September 3rd. Apply now to avail 10% early bird scholarship. Today, we will be in conversation with Varun Kaushik. He's an architect based out of New Delhi, where he heads the studio for interdisciplinary design. He's a faculty at the Physical Planning Department, the School of Planning and Architecture, New Delhi, as well as Urban Design Department at Sushant School of Art and Architecture. Before I bombard Varun with my questions, I'm going to give you a broad overview about the Global Livability Index report. So the key findings from the report are are as follows. The livability index around the world has improved on the grounds of COVID restrictions being eased. There there has been a visible impact of the Russian invasion on Ukraine, whereas cities from Eastern Europe and Russia, Ukraine, have drastically fallen in the list of livability. Um, Quite evidently, cities from Western Europe and Canadian uh, Canadian cities dominate the ranking, and uh, Damascus, Tripoli, cities which which regularly fe- feature social unrest, terrorism, conflict, etc., feature at the bottom of the ranking. So, I mean, just to give you a brief, top ten positions are by Vienna, Copenhagen, Zurich, Calgary, Vancouver, Geneva, Frankfurt, Toronto, Amsterdam, Osaka, Melbourne. Whereas the bottom 10 position is Tehran, Harare, Dhaka, Karachi, Tripoli, Lagos, Damascus, etc. Now, before we actually dig into our perception, our views on the report, the broad areas that the, this report covers, and I mean, the, how the rating is calculated is as follows. Category 1 includes stability, which has a 25% weightage, which includes uh, prevalence of petty crime, violent crime, threat of terror, threat of military conflict, civil unrest. Category two is healthcare, which is which which weighs 20% of the total total weight, which has availability of private and public healthcare, availability of over-the-counter drugs, general healthcare indicator. Category three is culture and environment, which again has 25% of weightage, which is uh, which has temperature, discomfort of climate for travelers, level of corruption, social religious restrictions, level of censorship, sporting availability, culture, food, consumer goods, service, etc. Category fourth is very important, which has a 10% weightage, which is education, availability of private and public education. And last and final is infrastructure, which again has a 20% weightage, which is quality of road network, public transport, international link, housing, energy provision, water provision, telecommunications, etc. Now, before we jump into how Indian cities have fared on this index, I, I just want to ask Varun, what are your views on the report in general? 
what do you do you think that the four cat the five categories that it covers covers a holistic view of of livability to begin with and uh, then we can sort of talk about indian cities so just just your cursory views on what do you make of global livability index report hi ratul i i'm i kind of agree with the with the five parameters on which they are judging the livability of a city there might be some more but for now this is a good set of parameters where you can start to judge the livability in a city okay. my own my only issue with this kind of report is that it one it comes out every year and it takes into consideration very short term indicators and cities don't evolve over months yeah for example frankfurt from last year to this year frankfurt jumped 32 ranks and is now ranked 7 primarily because the restaurants and theaters opened up after covid yeah i mean you see what i mean it's such a short term upheaval in rankings that these rankings kind of lose their meaning in real livability at, at least in my understanding of indian cities no i so think that, i think it's a very important point because uh, i was just wondering about the utility of these ranking wherein uh, in terms of policy priority so should the government sort of look at these indexes report and if if they they become the target then we're sort of trying to trying to chase targets which are evolving every year and uh, what is what is the sort of role of uh, policy shaping in terms of these indexes but this is something again which we can which we can come to later but yeah getting back to your views on the no but the see, again again to just uh, kind of carry forward what you are saying policies there are no generic policies policy only policies only like design they only make sense when they are very target specific when they are very when they are contextualized so one size fits all there is no policy that fits you know so this is these reports they they have a particular use but it's not to i don't think this use is for cities to try to align themselves to this ranking that changes every year on minor upheavals yeah yeah so one one reason that i see this report is is put out is because a lot of companies they provide quote unquote hardship allowances to their expat employees for mm-hmm. relocation wow that that I, yeah okay and now you see that okay there is yes i, I think we need this kind of a report to serve that purpose yeah. but i don't think this kind of it's the same purpose as what state government should be worrying about yeah okay you know these are two different directions two different set of people making two different policies yeah okay uh, qu- quickly jumping into to a topic which is of subject interest to me and i think a lot of our listeners which is the status of indian cities and uh, evidently as i mentioned earlier that the report has created a lot of stir because indian cities have performed abysmally you know uh, for uh, for the first time a total of five indian cities featured on the list wherein uh, earlier it used to be just delhi and mumbai 
now we we had the inclusion of Ahmedabad, Bengaluru, and Chennai. Uh, but uh, the results were shocking. And to some extent, when I look around, walk around, I feel it to be true. Uh, Delhi was 140, Mumbai was 141, Chennai 142, Ahmedabad 143, Bangalore 146 out of 172 countries. And a lot of our indicators were similar to countries like countries in Nigeria, countries uh, in South Sudan. So, I mean, what do you think about it? Like, uh, there is some grain of truth to this for sure. So, so I mean, as you say that we should take this with a pinch of salt, but but I'm certain that there is some grain of truth, and we don't have good cities. I mean, just to put it bluntly, that we we have poor cities, which is evident in a report. We might not be chasing these indicators widely and shaping our policies for them, but where do you think our cities sort of go wrong? Look, I'm in no way am I exclaiming that Indian cities are not even perfect. They are they are not even livable. To yeah. the standards that I want, they are not even livable. They're not uh, desirable. Yeah. So I'm not... It's only when you s- start with the conversation of the report, yeah. I want to kind of... Uh, be the devil's advocate and not get carried away by this. Because, see, this is the problem that our Indian cities are actually facing right now. We are trying Hmm. to mimic global north development standards. Yeah. And that, when we already know Hmm. exactly, that was the exact path that humanity took to reach this unsustainable way that we are living on this planet. Okay. I mean, just uh, on a tangential note, when you say that, the first thing that, that comes to my mind is of Kurgaon, wherein uh, it's it's a city of shimmery glass buildings, which has incredibly co- which has contributed incredibly to, to Gurgaon being an urban heat island, because of course, it's it's a dry, dry land area, there are no trees, and then you build these glass buildings. And then because you build these glass buildings, you need X number of ACs, and then the emission from the ACs and the reflection from these buildings sort of make it. I mean, just imitating the West wildly. So, okay, on on this this is an this is on an interesting note. So, if you say that imitating West is not the good way, I mean, West is what I'm assuming as a blanket for both uh, European the, the, and the, American. The global, the global North. Let's, the global, uh, yeah, yeah. So, imitating okay. West is not the good way. What do you think is the right way for Indian cities? Should we devise our own? And uh, like, what do you think is the way forward for Indian cities? Have we have we given up on replicating the 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 Western models? I mean, I, I know for as a matter of fact, we tried it with Chandigarh and uh, and other some uh, other cities. But have we given it up? And like, how do you see this landscape? But see, the this was a good example that you gave of Gurgaon. So I yeah. I know the problems that you mentioned. They are the they are literally the tip of the iceberg of the problems. Of uh, problems. Just, just to just to add before before we get a elaborate a response from you, because I want to understand what sort of problems do you see from a designer point of view, where our cities are lacking. I mean, funds and all policy politics, which are will always be there, but just from a designer point of view, I mean, this is just, I mean, for the lack of word, this is just stupid design element that you put glasses in a dry hot 
area. This is just bizarre to me as a layman. So, I'm, I mean, your take on that. As a designer, where do you see the problem and what kind of intervention can we do? Now, see, there is a, there is a very good reason why we got caught up in this race of quote-unquote looking like developed uh, cities. It was when the FDI came in and we started to, you know, all the malls and all the, uh, we started to get things that we had never seen in our country. And that our aspirations evolved, which is not a bad thing. It's a good thing for a community, for a country to have its aspirations higher. But where we lost our way, I'll take it, I'll give you continue the example of Gurgaon. So right now, you, we, the first thing we see is that this stupidity of uh, resourceful madness, like there is no sense to, as to why would you do these kind of buildings. But even bigger problem is that if you look at Gurgaon as a city, all of this shimmeriness is this one facade of the city. You go 100 meters beyond this uh, Literally, in uh, I, I, we study with the students, and then you go hundred meter beyond this shimmering facade of uh, development, and it's ignored. It's so badly ignored. Take the point of Chandigarh. When they installed Chandigarh, they literally erased all the villages. I'm not exaggerating. They erased all the villages and then superimposed the plan of Chandigarh. They didn't do so well in Gurgaon. The urban villages around which all this development came up are trapped. You you see it in Mohali trying to imitate Chandigarh, but without erasing the worst segregation of this new urbanity and the villages around which the cities come up. So this is this this uh, friction that we are creating in our cities. Yeah, this deliberate act of dividing and marking who is above who yeah who's beyond the boundary wall creating newer and newer fences to keep the same people out that to me is the uh, ah, we very... like to believe that we are a democratic uh, city, country but we definitely don't have democratic cities on an inquisitive note what do you think this is this an outcome of of design or is this an outcome of our, I mean, this is moving into the realm of sociology, but is this the outcome of our inherent biases or sort of uh, inherent uh, societal structures, hierarchy, etc., that we see the kind of cities? Because uh, we see, you know, as, as you mentioned, I mean, it's very hard to spot anything wrong in Chandigarh, wherein uh, there are islands of urbanity, which is so beautiful. And right next to that, there is there is like, people living in, in impossible circumstances, which, is, which we can't even imagine. So which way do you think it is coming from? Is it the consequence of design or is it the consequence of our societal biases and structures, hierarchy, etc., that we've sort of now been into this sort of setup? I think it's, uh, you know, uh, after an earthquake, there are aftershocks. Yeah. So I think this is a colonial aftershock that we are experiencing right now. Can, can you expand on that thought? So this was in, during all this colonialism, after it, we were such a struggling set of community. 
yeah. that everyone was for themselves. Yeah. You know, everyone, it was a, it was really survival of the fittest kind of uh, environment. And then today when we are picking up some pace in yeah. the middle class becoming capable enough to desire more than food and shelter, I think it's our aspirations are still now we want to become the new sahib, you know, mm. whoever mm. there is this new sahib in the town, which is not, uh, which is just the same color as everyone. Yeah. On that note, let's take a small break before we, we move forward in this conversation. All right. Welcome back. Thank you for that, Varun. Before we sort of understand more about Indian cities, I want to know that why why are we not like what causes this divergence in our in our cities? Uh, why are we not proud of our shared public spaces? I mean, as Indians, we keep our houses impeccably clean. It's uh, it's a very cultural, religious, purity idea of you know cleanliness. But the moment you move out, the moment you you step into a public space, you see spit, litter, people urinating in open, etc. All sorts of things that can go go wrong are going wrong out there. Do you have an explanation to that as an as an urban planner? And uh, where, where, what 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 do you think about just this whole thing that are our urban spaces designed designed in a wrong way, or or it is a more socio cultural problem that Nobody has stakeholdership or there are caste hierarchies that upper caste feels that cleanliness is the job of somebody below them. So what do you think? And if, if I mean, whatever the case be, where can design help it improve? And uh, before we jump into your idea of new Indian urbanity in which you've done some work, I mean, I want to understand this. So that's a, that's a good question. I, I think the problem is that right now the bureaucrats are the designers. Yeah, okay. Struggling, um, right? Okay. And no, I mean, everyone is. So it's when bureaucrats are designers or designers are part time bureaucrats, hmm. then the concern is not the user. The concern yeah. is, is alter agendas. Uh, that hmm. there are different weird agendas that uh, you are not really designing. It cannot be called design anymore. And it's okay. it's true that we keep our houses spick and span and then we go out and then we feel free to spit or litter. Actually, not really. You, you go to, let, you go to Delhi Metro. Yeah. And no one does that. Not because they don't do it outside the Metro premises, but they don't do it because they see that everyone around them is proud of what they have received as a public accessory. Hmm. And if they do it, then the collective is going to call them out. Yeah. And when they go otherwise in outside in the city, the quality of our shared domain is so much worse than expected. Yeah. That no one feels like anyone would bother if you deface it. We, so you we, say, try, you... Uh, we, we, we try to put you know, we try to do this by policing. Yeah. But that's so counterproductive. The more you tell people not to do something, the more enjoyable it becomes. 
So you have to do it by design. Yeah. You have to yeah. you have to give exactly. them something to be proud of that they would just not wanna ruin. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. We can give whatever I mean, excuses. We we can yeah. give excuses, you know. Uh, that nay people are like this, they are not educated, they are illiterate. Man, just go to the metro and the most illiterate person is watching you not uh, ruin his metro. True, true. Uh, lots of lots of thoughts running from there, but uh, I want to sort of ask you that, where do you think uh, then programs like Swachh Bharat Mission come in here? Because essentially they are nudges to people and uh, visible nudges that it's out there on a board that all the dustbins are branded, etc. Et so where do you think programs like, how do you see as a, as a professor, as a planner, architect, that the impact or the importance of such, such programs to keep up our public spaces? No, I, I, I don't discourage any, any form of organization or any form of uh, improvement in cleanliness or public uh, rearrangement. So there are pos visible positives of Swachh Bharat mission that you, you know, even just the fact that the frequency of garbage collection is yeah. uh, more. That, yeah. that itself is, is a progressive step. Where I find it a bit tricky is that it's, you know, you again you create a, a wall, you paint a nice painting on it that uh, that has this Swachh uh, Sarvekshan 2021 and a nice colorful painting. But the fact that you have this boundary wall behind which people can throw garbage, yeah. it's literally what some of our politicians do when foreign dignitaries are coming. They literally board up the slums along the way I mean, please don't like just this is faking it. Yeah. So that does not help anyone in the long run. Again, in the short term, maybe it makes sense, but cities are never short term. All right. I want to move to to a next topic here. As uh, you say that the European or the the Western model does not work in Indian context. You know, we've tried with uh, we've tried with Chandigarh, and we've what we've ended ended up is erasing villages or sort of building these islands and then sort of sidelining our, our space, like sidelining the, the local inhabitants of, of that area, which of course has intended unintended consequences because it will lead to some sections being extremely prosperous and some sections being extremely deprived in like a very small sort of radius, which will again lead to, you know, sort, uh, sort of uh, a back and forth crimes etc like a lot of lot of it will be there will be underplay of it so so we discredit the western imitation what do you think in that case is a new model for an indian city like what what according to you should the foundation of an indian city look like or what according to you should be the values of new indian urbanity okay that that's uh, that's um almost a 30 year, at least a 30 year long exercise that you just asked uh, me to <laughs> answer in a 30 minute podcast. But I yeah. would, I think maybe it would be fair for me to just say where I think we should start. Hmm. So there are people taking care of education, 
there are people taking care of healthcare there are people taking care of infrastructure let's say but as a designer as a city planner urban designer i feel we need to start at making sure that our shared public domain is equally accessible and owned by everyone no matter who you are i'll give you an example today hmm. our streets are understood as a continuous vehicular domain that's very that's very uh, yeah. I, i feel in our cities that's very obvious yeah uh, definition yeah. there is no street. space in bangalore to walk i mean i wholeheartedly for, yeah. for agree to that as a as a runner you have like my sentiments yeah so so we have come to an agreement yeah. collectively that streets are for vehicles true and you know what that has done while streets should prioritize being part of a continuous pedestrian domain yeah and hence if we switch to this second understanding of streets what will hmm. start to happen is the streets will swell up not barricade themselves when they encounter a park plaza a ghat a chowk yeah and that is what i uh, coming back to the same idea of uh, mimicking uh, western models of development so to begin with i no, think uh, inclusivity are, yeah i mean look inclusivity is in in many different horizontal uh, verticals mm. you know there can be there is we need inclusivity in education we need in in many but in terms of physical urbanity yeah. city design i think the, we need to understand that public space is shared and we need to create the shared space in our cities to encourage trust between people not the other way around which is currently what we are literally it is in every all the smart city projects they create some kind of cosmetic upgrade and then mm. barricade it and tell people that oh this is too nice for you to access it that's the stupidest city possible okay fascinating uh i have like before we move to the end i want to ask you a question which has always intrigued me which is how is a city built can you build does it organically grow i mean uh, uh, uh alan burtard in his book order without design writes that uh, cities planners should not try to alter alter the distribution of city size let them grow organically and uh, how do you make a productive city he he lists out three conditions which is firms and households have the freedom to stay put or migrate at will travel within the city remains fast and cheap and real estate is sufficiently affordable that it does not distort the allocation of labor so this is one idea that let it organically evolve you know there is just no physical limit to a city which we see in a lot of indian cities and the other idea is that you have a top down design approach to the city which is what we did with which is what china did with a lot of cities or the soviet did with the central planning or we tried to do we tried with with lavasa chandigarh and like a bunch of cities so what according to you is how do we build a city is should it be organic or like a top down approach it kind of uh, i mean it's always tricky to imagine cities as a you know as a new organism even if yeah. certain cities like chandigarh okay this was out of uh, this was like a clean slate completely new hmm. but we have to understand that today we are only into 70 years of chandigarh 
Hmm. Yeah. Maybe in in 500 years, it would be, it would have its own uh, inherent Indian character. Yeah. But so first but thing as is, a, we, we as need, a designer, need, are you looking at that sort of time frame? No, I definitely want to look. This is this is also this is very, um, you know, uh, designers. We start to get too panicky about. Oh, then what is our role? If we don't do it yeah. all, then what is yeah. our role? If yeah. you no, know, I want to. I think the role of a contemporary designer. Look, if you want to have any chance at coming up with a sustainable model of human settlement, yeah, and the only chance is that you don't do it all. That you don't try to predict things that you obviously cannot. Okay. You just give the next person a head start. Yeah. So uh, what I mean by that is that you take what you get, whatever okay. condition. If you get, if you get a, a rural, you know, a agricultural landscape where there are twenty villages, and now you decide Nayaraipur. Let's take example Nayaraipur. Okay, Nayaraipur is the same example. There are villages, and then you want to set up a new city, completely new city. Yeah. The the model of having these huge master plans. Yeah, mm. Take the case of Bivadi, Daruheda. These are satellite industrial towns, which as a developing country, there will be many coming up. Absolutely. But the but the idea of overestimating their occupancy and then mm. making master plans that occupy, you know, that try to parcel out land that we know will not even be occupied in the next 25 years. Yeah. What that does is it only allows the land grabbing and the land mafia to, it, it legitimizes sprawl. Yeah. And that's, okay, I mean, yeah, I know that for certain uh, people and cert- who with alternate agendas, yeah, that's their bread and butter. But for, as a designer who's worried about are we even gonna is our what are we giving to our next generation what kind of problems are we setting up for them to face yeah. i think we should only try to we have to go with a different approach a master plan is a very dated approach where you okay. predict more than you can ever yeah. achieve yeah why don't we start with seed strategies for cities yeah which incorporate opportunities for failure for those cities. Hmm. You know, you don't invest so much that the failure is uh, too much to uh, bear. And then yeah. you end up like Gurgaon. Um, yeah. I'm escaping this uh, now. So, again, there, it, it's a long discussion, but I, in a long story short, I think we should not try to predict more than necessary as a planner as an urban designer but work more on strategies that would give the next person a healthy a head, start. head start and they can take it further depending on the and then you educate the next generation to with good quality with this kind of approach so it goes on it kind of builds upon itself all right thank you this that's fascinating uh, my last question, we've already run out of time. So my last question to you is getting back to the, the index that we, that we began with. So now that you have discredited 
the index that it, we should not be looking at it or focusing at it. Uh, the government itself does an ease of living index, which is uh, which is which actually surprisingly ranked Bangalore as number one uh, in 2020. And for them, the ranking of cities have assumed significance in shaping government policies and determining expenditure priorities. So it's basically they it it also gives them an opportunity to to measure the outcomes of the programs they've been running and verify whether these interventions were effective in sort of ushering progress in urban India. But then I completely agree that it's difficult to to sort of because of the dynamism at play, it's very difficult to quantify metrics and rank cities in X brackets. But but then I I personally feel it is also important so that one you can prioritize, you have policy priority. Two, you can usher in a healthy competition between different cities so that there becomes a social norm, which which has been, which has at least started off with, with Swachh Bharat, that people, cities are competing with each other and citizens have a sort of understanding of it that we want to keep our city clean to be, to be, to be in the, to be in the index. So what do you think, uh, again, cutting the long story short, what is the importance of such indexes and uh, how do you see it in the larger scheme of things as as an urban planner i still don't see their relevance for long-term policy making long-term impact on cities in the short term maybe they can get the ball rolling fine yeah Uh, it helps in the short term but my my problem with this kind of approach is that uh, again that this you know the the key that we need to save is the vibrancy of our cities and there is it it's not about competing with each other it's about understanding right now leh is becoming like gurgaon yeah. that's what scares me so yeah. again if if in as per the ranking Maybe yeah. it it works for that purpose, but yeah. the point is not to. The whole point is to achieve and maintain the diversity that is India, and yeah. the Indian cities. Yeah. So if we, yeah. I think, no other country can boast the diversity of customs and cultures and hmm. climates and urban environments that we possess. Yeah. And my only worry with these rankings and these policy uh, these uh, indexes they, is that they, homogenize. they they encourage this homogenization yeah yeah so maybe until until we we devise our own way of measuring our cities and there is there is another index let's say which is which is for diversity uh, we will be back for for another episode but uh, but thank you varun it's been lovely to have you and uh, i personally learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners also will learn um, if you have any closing remarks but uh, thank you again and we will see you in the next episode of All Things Policy no, this was a joy thank you if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network you can tune into them on the IVM podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, 
If you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.